Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast, where personal growth simply isn't enough. I'm your host, Mark Cordone, a positive psychology coach, a do-gooder from the island of misfit toys who founded the Joy Revolution. Each week, I'll wrap with an extraordinary guest doing extraordinary things through their own revolutionary work to talk about the ups, downs, and all-arounds of life. It's my mission to provoke and empower you through increased joy and inspire you to spark your own revolution to change history for the better. Welcome to the most serious happiness podcast in this multiverse. Welcome to the Golden Mike Podcast. How do your parents feel about like things like what you're doing right now and and your podcast and stuff like that? Have you become the black sheep? (laughs) Well, so there's two podcasts in the family. Um, My son has his own podcast uh, called Younger, Smarter, Better, like shameless mom plug here. Uh, Mm. and, And his whole thing is teaching kids and young adults all the things that we need to know in life, but nobody actually teaches you. So, mm-hmm. you know, goal setting, financial management, all the rest of it. Reason why I'm saying this, not just to toot his horn, but also because when it came to setting up my parents' phone, I set it up so that they could get the newest episodes of Younger, Smarter, Better. I did not oh, set it up for them to get Recovering Church Girls. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of different layers to the relationships and to the dynamics. Um, when I first started talking about, Hey, there's some pretty big issues in the church that are hurting women and I need to talk about them. The first reply or the first, you know, response I got was overwhelming support and absolutely you are a hundred percent right they need to be held accountable and, you know, there needs to be healing and, and wholeness here. Um, and my mom brought all three of us to tears when she said, um, she said, I've been meaning to tell you for a long time and I haven't known how to, but I wanted to apologize for the way that you were raised. And I just want you to know that we were doing the best that we could with what we had sure. in that moment. Sure. Um, and that was like mind blowing to me because of the three of us, like I'm the woo woo one. I'm the one that does the yeah. self development work and the the personal deep stuff. Um, so she was using words that I was very familiar with, but it was the first time I had heard her say something like that. Uh, and okay. that was a year or two ago. Since okay. then, those conversations are a little different. Gotcha. Gotcha. Meaning, uh, kind of polar opposite? <laughs> well, like, not so much. It just kind of depends. Like um, just recently, uh, my dad had said something about, you know, they've got a, a new pastoral team uh, in their their church. And he's like, oh, I think you'd really like this guy. You know, he was, had, was really clear about the idea that, um, you know, someone had, had mentioned something about the coronavirus being, um, being a bad thing sent from God as a judgment. And he's like, you know, he was really clear about saying that's absolutely not the case. And, you know, that's not the God we serve and, and different things like that. And I'm like, well, yeah, dad, that's cool. But um, I just, you know, like, as, <laughs> I agree with you. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that that's what he said. But I also need to put you on pause for a second because I remember growing up being told that all these things that were happening in the world were indeed because God was angry with us. And, you know, just that idea of, I have said some terrible things in my life. And I still remember to this day, like I can feel the pit in my stomach. I made a terrible comment about Hurricane Katrina and the fact Mm -hmm. that it was, well, it was, it was New Orleans, you know, what do you expect type of a thing? And what a terrible thing to say. And I, of course, I don't believe that at all anymore, but that's the environment that I was in and I had been raised in for decades. So that was a really interesting conversation. This was recently, like two or three days ago. Um, And in that moment, my dad said, he's like, well, he's like, we were so in the wrong church. A little racist. Oh, t- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But he, for him to say we were in the wrong church, that was huge. That was absolutely yeah. huge to hear him say that. So, so we're getting there. Like you know, sometimes we can have those conversations, and other times it just has to be a very quick and thick boundary that says, "I don't think we should talk about this right now." And Understood. Finding, you know, a chance to respect each other in that and find a way back to our relationship that isn't going to be um, combatant in any way. Yeah. 
How much do you still feel hurt by this? I don't know that I personally feel hurt at this point. I think it's more, ironically enough, the idea of this righteous anger. Like I am fed the fuck up with the whole system, with the oppression, with the idea that racism is, is so inherent, that sexism is so inherent in the culture. That's where, that's where I get really just enough is enough where if we know better, we need to do better. Mm, Okay. And if we don't know better, then let's have that conversation. Um, let the virus take its <laughs> course. Oh my God, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that's what my that's what my pastor would say. Let the virus take its course. Oh my gosh, um, what's wrong so, with these people? Uh, but then see, but see, then that's where I get caught because what I am so conscious of myself is if I truly believe that each person has the right to an individual spiritual experience that means that i can take no judgment in it whatsoever oh absolutely absolutely um you know fuck this uh questioning route for a second i'm I'm literally (laughs) throwing it away Uh, we're we're gonna go here for a couple more minutes Uh, um i want to know your thoughts on um uh, sort of uh this hypocrisy in the church in which um uh, some of the people who preach the highest level um, things w- when it comes to to uh, being pious, when it when it comes to um, uh, sort of the tenets of the church and they they go and do the most heinous shit. Mm. Um, and, and we don't just see it in the church, but we, we, we see it in politics and stuff like that. What? <laughs> I I, I, I I, I'm wrapping my brain around that, but in, but in so many ways, why do you think stuff like that comes up? I think a lot of it comes back to the the non-acceptance of self. Mm. And I think that, so let me sidebar for a second. You mm-hmm. know that I'm working on the book, Recovering Church Girls. And oh my God, you're a plug master. No, that wasn't my intention. Hold on, stick with me for a second. Because what I want to tell you is <laughs> where I found myself getting tripped up when I was writing was it was really easy to identify the places where the church has really fucked us over and yeah. to then draw the the lines between okay, here's how the patriarchy has infiltrated the church. And here's how that has then trickled down to how we see ourselves and how we show up in the world. So taking from the purity culture to the patriarchy to martyrdom as the highest value, uh, you know, all these different components, and then tracing that to how it impacts us individually, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually where I was getting stuck was this idea of, I can't leave us here, you know, back to that idea of post-traumatic growth. There's so much more to experience on the other side of that. However, the biggest issue that we have to address in order to get there is that living in this environment, living with this code of values that frankly, I think is completely inherent. The idea that, how do I want to how do I want to sum this up? <laughs> the idea that we're fragmented because yes. we've been told to value something that isn't truly in alignment with who we are. Yeah. So the first piece is a reunification of who we are and an acceptance of who we are. So to answer your question, I think that's why we're seeing so much crazy stuff is because it's, it's like this idea of having a form-fitting bodysuit and it being three sizes too small. So okay. if you see all the women who have ever had to put Spanx on know what I'm talking yeah. about here. As you are needing to adjust. Hey, you know I wear Spanx too. Sometimes, <laughs> well, as you're needing to adjust, it's like where, where does everything go? And if you don't have space for it to go within this container, it's going to blow out somewhere else. That's my analogy. There you go. Uh, that's a fucking mic drop right there. Yeah, that gives me the that gives me the permission to move forward now. With 
with your personal life. Uh, I, I just felt like we hadn't touched. I mean, I, I think that we can talk, talk more about it. And when it comes up, I will. Um, but, uh, you know, also then there, there's there's Tanya, the person, you know, the, obviously the, the very philosophical, thoughtful uh, person. But then the, then there's there's you as mom. There's you as partner. Right. And. Your first, uh, your first uh, marriage, uh, you both had uh, met each other in the church, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, it, it, children raised to to believe um, to to believe the same uh, tenets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. They were named specifically to carry on the Christian ideolo- ideologies. Okay, and and so that prayer that your your parents said about you you guys were saying about your own kids then, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I uh, was, I was deeply in this world for decades. Okay. Okay. Um, and, 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 and so it's, it, and also at the same time you had unconscious things going on, uh, in terms of con- unconscious resistance and you just didn't know what, um, and, and at the time you couldn't even spot it. It was right. so unconscious. Well, and I would okay. say, I mean, there were several points of dissonance, even from my childhood. Like, I remember being four years old, sitting in Sunday school, being told to bring my unsaved friends to church. And I remember looking around the room going, I'm not allowed to have any friends who aren't already here. But how can I, I be a good girl and bring people to church if I don't have anybody who's not here. (laughs) Like I just, I I couldn't recognize how to bring those pieces together. So I definitely had moments like that all throughout my childhood and into adulthood. Um, But from a, you know, all, uh, all appearances, then yeah, yeah, I was, I was in it for decades. I like it. It's, it's almost like a multi-tiered marketing campaign. Hey kids, <laughs> bring bring your unsaved friends to work, and we'll level we'll level you up to uh, gold status. I'm telling um, you, you think that's oh, we haven't even talked about the Bible drills, Mark. The idea that they there would be uh, races to find Bible verses, and they were called sword drills. Oh my the God, Bible I gotta hear this the shit. Sword, you know, the sword got- of the spirit type thing. So anyway, yeah. I got to hear this shit. I got to hear well, this just, shit. I mean, it, it, everything revolved around the church and everything in the church revolved around this fundamental belief system that yeah. we were the good ones because we were saved and we were God's chosen and everyone else both needed us and needed our pity. So there was oh, very much an us versus them it. type oh, of it's idea. Oh, so us versus them. Yeah, it's huge. So, um, uh, it, it, it's so ivory tower-ish, you know, Absolutely. like, you know, it's, it, oh my gosh, it, it, it is really, really, um, it is really scary when it's us versus them and, and, and then you're in your ivory tower, you know, cause, cause then look what happens when, when the ivory tower starts to burn, people start to do some really drastic shit. Yeah. People are um, hurt. There, people yeah. are hurt, and that's that's what it comes back down to. Is like going, okay, the idea is to love people. Are yeah. we doing that? Hmm. Okay, but we're supposed to be changing, we were supposed to be changing topics. What happened? You're BVing them. I guarantee I'm the one that took it back. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to play that one back. Double check. So, so, um, so I have no idea. I have no idea if we're gonna get through this damn first hu- uh, husband of yours. You know. <laughs> But what I want to get to is, okay, so what led to the downfall of that? How about that? Let's go there. Um, Well, I think there were two main pieces, one of which is mine to own. The other is his. So I'm not going to speak to the second one um, because that as much as it is my story in that it impacted me tremendously um, Mm -hmm. and probably still does to a certain extent, it's not my story to tell. Uh, the first one, though, I can take full ownership for it because it's absolutely it's absolutely on me. Um, okay. I remember uh, early in our marriage, I'd say within the first year. Um, let's see, set the stage. Uh, no kids he, yet. Nope, no kids yet. Um, I am desperately lonely. Uh, we've moved halfway across the country because he is in a graduate program. He had bypassed his senior year of undergrad to get into this grad program. It was one that, you know, 
had all sorts of symbiotic relationships because again, it's another religious institution because uh, mm-hmm. we, we met at a Christian college. Um, so we're back on the East coast. I'm working in special events at what was then Fox family channel, uh, which is now ABC family and loving my job. Absolutely loving my job. Uh, but it's just me and my, my boss who is the VP of events. So I have no community, haven't found a church home yet. And of course, growing up, like that was always the solution. So surely that's what we need is to find a church home. Um, but he is having the time of his life because he's got all of these grad school friends that, you know, he's able to, to really engage with. And I remember he got his uh, syllabus and every single book, I think, except for one that was assigned to him was already on my bookshelf and already highlighted and dog eared and all the rest of it, because I was the one who was into the business development stuff and, and really enjoying, like, I remember good to great. That was when that was at its heyday. Uh, and I was like, Oh, you don't have to buy that one. I've already got it. <laughs> you know, yeah. That kind of a thing. And you just have to read the earmarks. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Just skim through the highlights. It'll be good. Yeah. Uh, so this was, it was going to be the night that I was going to meet, uh, his crew for the first time. And I remember we were going to Joe's Crab Shack in Virginia beach and, uh, we were crossing, like crossing the street at the crosswalk. And I remember as we were crossing the street, I remember him saying, you know, you can be really intimidating when it comes to business settings and, and social things. And I just, you know, these are my people. I just need you to dial it down. I just need you to, to you know, be really aware of this. Okay. And I remember in that moment, just having that kind of out of body experience for a second, like for a minute, I was up above us watching us walk across the street and I could see everybody hanging out on the deck at, at Joe's Crab Shack. And I just remember having this complete moment of what did he just say? And was that the first time you had heard him say something remotely close to that? Absolutely. I mean, keep in mind, like this One is very much um, true to expectations of a complementarianist marriage. I, the woman cannot be too big, cannot be too shiny, cannot attract attention, cannot do anything that would take away from the leadership of the man. My entire so, role in life is to support him. So what made you at this particular point with all the life uh, indoctrinization you, you received, what made it so jarring for you? My Because it sounds like it would. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. I, I heard him um, you know, on some level, and my immediate reply was, okay, honey, whatever you need. That's where I can trace things back and say right there, that's that moment where I denied myself. I denied my own existence and having a seat at the table of this relationship and you know, being valid in who I am. I chose to keep the peace over my self-worth. And that, as far as I'm concerned, that is the moment that I am completely culpable of for what I had to to say, you know, as far as the marriage falling apart. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) you can't untake that back. No. Um, I mean, you can't untake those thoughts back. And, and really, that was the beginning of the unwinding. It was. I mean, it, it took several years uh, yeah. for that to, to really happen. But I remember that same, you know, within a month or two, I remember crying myself to sleep and just I would take a bath and I would run the water so I could cry and not be found out that I was crying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just so desperately lonely. Like this, this whole marriage thing was not what I was told it was going to be. Well, gee, I wonder why. Cause I just said that I wouldn't be myself. Um, yeah. but then, you know, on top of that, of just feeling like feeling that just something was off and I didn't know what it was and, um, really thinking a baby would fix it. I really truly thought that that's what we needed right. and that's why we weren't happy yet. Um, you know, or whatever the case might be is, is, well, we haven't had kids yet. We need to have a family. And I wanted, I always felt like I was comparing myself against my mom's timeline. She didn't go to college. She met my dad when she was, um, I want to say 17 married when they were 18 
and had me at 19, somewhere right around there. Very, very short, you know, compression on that one. But I remember thinking, you know, I was 25 when I got married, 24, 24, 25, something like that. Um, But I remember thinking like, I'm so late. I'm so behind. Wow. So just that I know, right? <laughs> Crazy. And now I'm talking to my kids of like, if you want to wait till you're 30, like I am totally cool with that, by the way, just so you know. Yeah. If you don't want to get yeah. married, that's fine too. Like whatever nope. you guys want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's really interesting. Um, you don't have to answer this if you if if you don't want to, but but do you find that in the co-parenting, um, you found a nice copacetic place where he gets to keep or he gets to uh, parent using his values and you get to parent using yours? We have now. Um, okay. The first few years, it was pretty difficult. Yeah. And I think part of that is we both needed to figure out who we were outside of the the definition of our relationship. And at the time, we were both still working at the same corporation as well. So that's like super awkward, um, especially yeah. because everybody from that business went to the same church. <laughs> so we're talking like layers upon layers. Uh, so yeah, it just, it's very, very complicated. Um, so and then, my assumption is that once you got divorced, you stopped going to that church. No, actually, I stayed part of that community for another several years after. You might be thinking of the second husband. (laughs) (laughs) That's where that one happened. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And and also in the church, is there any um, stigma on on people who uh, on on people who've been divorced? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, not not as stringently, perhaps, as other denominations, or specifically, you know, the the Catholic community. I know is is very anti-divorce. Um, yep. So you know, I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit lighter, but it's still there. So okay. stigma light. <laughs> stigma light was there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. And I don't, I don't know that it was intentional. Like, that's the thing. I think that so much of all of this experience, there are so few people that are fully aware and fully conscious of the impact of their choices and, you know, how they're showing up in that moment. I don't think enough people are paying attention to the impact that they're making on other human beings. Mm, Sure. That's huge. Hey, it's Mark. I hope you're digging the Golden Mike podcast. If you have or are just starting your own revolution fueled by joy, there's a site I created for you. If you, like me, believe that personal growth is simply not enough, if you, like me, are committed to changing history for the better in both micro and macro ways, check out joyrevolution.com. In there, you'll find an archive of our over 200 Golden Mike Live Facebook shows and, of course, our podcast that you're currently listening to. Check out the blogs highlighting how positive psychology and joy theory apply to your everyday life. There's even some cool clips from our Joy Revolution course geared towards influencers, speakers, writers, and change agents. It's all there. Go to joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Let's get back to the episode. Um, so let's talk about, let's, let's talk about person number two. <laughs> let's talk yeah. about uh, hubby two. Um, uh, where did, where did you meet him? How did, how did this go? How did, how did this one go? Well, that company that I talked about that I had worked at with the first husband, I uh-huh. met husband number two at that same company. Um, oh my God. I know I'm Come telling on, you all, all roads around here lead back to this. Come this place. on, man. That's an obvious loop. I, well, uh, but it's all good. It's all things good. Things I learned later. <laughs> things I learned later. No, but we had, um, we'd fallen out, you know, of, of touch for quite a few years. And, um, I had reached out at one point in time because he was teaching at a local university and I was asking if he had any interns for the, the event experience. Cause I have had great college interns from another location. Um, and you know, he never answered and I never really thought anything of it. It was no big deal. It was just a, you know, professional question. Um, and then years went by and he reached out, um, you know, kind of as a, I'm so sorry, I didn't circle back. Um, I'm in the middle of a divorce and you know, blah, blah, blah. Now I had known him in his first marriage, 
um, as a really great stepdad. And I remember there was a, an event that was like a picnic or something that a ton of families were at from, from this office. And I remember saying to him, because it must have been after my first divorce because I was already single momming it. And I remember saying, you know, if I ever decide to remarry, I'll have to get pointers from you on this whole step parent thing because like you seem to really have it down. Never yeah. in a million years would I have thought that I would later be marrying him. <laughs> um, so, you know, ironic uh, at best. So fast forward, um, the dating relationship was pretty short, um, which tends to be my MO, um, which is probably why I'm not in a relationship right now. <laughs> like, a, like a swept you off your feet type of thing? Um, well, here's the thing about me. I am not difficult to find relationship or to find myself in relationship. It's whether or not I choose to stay around. And I don't say that in the the idea of like, um, you know, I'm like that didn't come out quite right. Um, but I guess if you put it in context of like moving all the time and, you know, being a fast mover in business and philosophy and all these other things, like I, there's a lot going on. So the person that can keep up with me is kind yeah. of a rare bird. So, so there's that, but from the flip side of that, there's also, there needs to be a grounding component, you know, that, that type of a thing. Sure. So I say that more in the sense of, as a cautionary tale, I am in yeah. eternal romantic. I will always be a romantic. I'll always be an optimist. It's just who I am. And at the same time, I don't know that I value marriage itself the way that I have been taught to. I value yeah. partnership. Yeah. And, you know, that is huge to me. The marriage, I've got some questions on. Yeah, absolutely. So none of that absolutely. was relevant at this point in time in history of what I'm talking about. That's who I am now. Um, but in this yeah. moment, I thought marriage was the answer. And uh, his wife had cheated on him. And the answer so, to what? Well, just the answer to everything, um, specifically mm -hmm. within the context of the relationship. Like his, okay. his wife had cheated. So he was a mess. He was completely fragile. He was broken. And I thought that I could help fix that yep. by, you know, coming in and, and being that person. Um, and there's this whole other context that was going on. He had not been a member of the church community and I brought him to our church community. Oh, so, come on. Dude. I'm telling you, I was in the thing for a long time. It was part of my fabric of being. When he was at the most vulnerable. Oh, my God. Well, last thing I heard, he was still there and, and thriving. Um, who knows? I mean, that's like years ago. I've totally lost Yeah, he's that. thriving because he can't get out. Um, no, <laughs> he's already kidding. remarried and all the I'm rest of it. Kidding. So he's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Or at least I hope he's fine. I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> so all of that to say, no, I'm just saying in, in terms of like know, boundaries, know, you know? know. Um, okay. So, so nutshell version, um, it was a really short relationship. Uh, he had two children, um, from his first marriage and the step parent component was really difficult. Uh, you talked about the idea of parenting to your own individual values. We did not have the same set of values. And, um, one of the, the children, um, had a serious lying issue um, and it impacted the family dynamic. And it was just really difficult to navigate because we weren't on the same page. So, yeah. you know, I don't think that that's the cause of the end of the marriage, but I think how we handled it, you know, definitely could be. But really what came down to is um, at the time I was doing, um, I was still doing wedding and event planning and, and doing floral design. And this was my first time ever signing up as a wire service for uh, flower arrangement delivery for Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. And right. let me tell you, <laughs> florists around the country deserve so much love and gratitude for the things that they do for people uh, over those holidays. Right. It was a brutal experience. Um, and I had no idea. It was my first time you know, in, in the deep end of the pool on that. Long story short, um, the Mother's Day rush ended with him saying, I don't think I have what it takes to be your husband. And, and that was it. Uh, here's what's interesting, though. 
is that because he had already become, you know, part of the the community with the church, he had said something to uh, the associate pastor who had actually been incredibly helpful for me during the context of the first divorce and has been, you know, just a, a member of our, our community and really from my family, as far as myself and my kids for these last, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, whatever it had been in this in-between time. So yeah. he sets up a, a meeting for us. Um, and I remember, I don't know that I'll ever forget this, but I remember sitting in his office, in the pastor's office, and I remember him saying, um, well, husband number two had, had painted this picture that I was choosing the business over our blended family and that I was prioritizing you know, working or what have you. What he didn't mention was that he had a financial requirement for me to contribute to that my business in and of itself was not making by that point. So I was working two part-time jobs along with doing my business, along with the parenting of my own children and the step-parenting of his in order to try and make all this work. None of that came into conversation, ironically enough. Did, um, it come in, did, you, did you make it? I, the, I don't know you, that I did. I mean, I, I may have mentioned it quickly in passing, but I don't, again, like, I don't know how fully aware I was of all the different layers of things that were happening in that moment. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was, it felt very unfair. I'm, I'm a Libra. Yeah. I like things to be fair. Um, but I couldn't identify what felt unfair. You know what I mean? Like it just like, yeah. this is wrong. This isn't accurate. I'm being bullied, but I don't know how to fix it you know, with kind of the overall feeling in that moment until we got to the point, uh, the pastor said something along the lines of, if God were asking you to give up your business to save your marriage, would you? And I looked at him and I looked at my now ex-husband and I just had this white, hot fire <laughs> burning just first starting in my gut and just fueling the words. And I was calm and, and focused. You know, I wasn't, uh, you know, over the top in any way, shape or form, but I was very clear and everything yeah. just felt the sense of absolute calm. And I turned and I looked at each of them and I said, I feel more of God in me when I'm sending a bride down the aisle than I do most of the days I'm in that sanctuary. So first of all, God would never ask me to do this. You're asking the wrong question. And that was it. That was the end of that conversation. And shortly after, it was the end of my time at that church. Wow. And I think that that was, it was that piece of the, I was being looked at through the lens of what someone else considered to be the ideal way of being a Christian. Sure. Sure. So now, much to your point earlier, you know, I wasn't seen in myself in that moment. No, you weren't seen at all. And and it sounded like um, it had been pent up so much that like you kind of allowed that suppressed part to just kind of take the wheel and say what it needed to say, right? Yeah, that moment um, was absolutely a catalyst for me. Um, but I will say that one thing that I needs to be mentioned just for clarity of the timeline, after divorce number one, this would have been 2008, that's when I really got serious about my own commitment to personal yeah. development and growth. And if I hadn't done the work in those several years, I don't know that I would have recognized the signs of abuse that were happening and the, you know, the controlling, um, the separation from other people, like all of those different little indicators. Yeah. I don't think I would have seen them or have recognized the dissonance in myself as quickly as I did had I not done the work prior. So there's a reason why that second one was so short and why also it proved to be the catalyst for me to make another set of changes because I had already been doing the foundational work beforehand. Well, um, uh, during those uh, two ex-husbands, um, what do you remember being some of those aha moments that you were having um, when you were doing the personal work? I think a lot of it comes back to self-worth and acceptance mm -hmm. and identity. And the reason why I call this recovering church girls, it's mm -hmm. very similar to the idea of recovering addicts. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they know, they recognize that it's highly unlikely that they'll ever be able to 
fully separate from the impact that that thing has on them. Yeah. So it's, it's a very similar context and this idea of, I still have issues with self-worth. I still have issues with my identity and, and who I am. I've always been a workaholic and a people pleaser and a perfectionist. I recognize that those are traits of who I am. They don't necessarily have to be who I am, but that takes mm-hmm. work. That takes conscious effort yeah. to yeah. delineate between the two and to be able to practice pure self-acceptance and pure self-love and self-compassion in the yeah. midst of this kind of culture. Absolutely. Now let's fast forward to the the day that you uh, mic dropped on on the uh, associate pastor and your ex husband, or was it? I think it was associate pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you said what you just said. Uh, what's running through your head? Like, are you like, yeah? Like, is it? Is it? Oops, <laughs> or was it like, <laughs> or, or, or was it like? Yeah, motherfucker, you know, or like somewhere in between, right? Like what was, what was like immediately what was running through your head or was it just still white hot rage? I think the first immediate thought after the white hot rage was just that sense of, of a release of, Mm -hmm. I don't have to try to be so perfect anymore. Mm hmm. And, you know, kind of put all the pieces together type of a thing. So I think there was there was a bit of claiming myself in that moment to say, that's it. I've done enough. I, I've tried to play it your way for long enough mm. and we're done now. Yeah. Yeah. What about when you were lying in bed that night? What was going through your head? Cause that couldn't have been a night where you like, or maybe it was, maybe you just, your face hit the bed and you fell right asleep. But like, was that a night where you crawled into bed and you were like, a lot of scenarios were playing in your mind. And I don't know about you, but like when major scenarios happen during the day, like I'll see, I'll be like, Oh, what would have happened if I did this? What would have happened if I I choked this person out? (laughs) What would have happened if I just went along with it? You know, like, did, did you go through those scenarios? Like, I, I'm just really curious because that was I can feel the the not the pivot, but I can feel the full evolution uh, happening in that one moment in that office. And so there had to be a lot of things processing. There absolutely were. And I don't know that I could tell you what any of them were now. <laughs> um, it, it really, it's, it's kind of yeah. crazy. Um, when I started working on the book, I, I went back to therapy and, and I had told mm-hmm. my therapist, I'm like, look, I'm like, I just, I need someone who has not been in this environment with me to help me understand what is strictly because of the church or the church culture or the indoctrination or, yeah. you know, the complementarianism or like, I need to, I need to be able to identify what comes where and to have a contrast so that's, that's why I'm choosing this. And so she's like, okay, well, this is a very well-informed conversation. I was like, well, sure. I, I know what I need. I just, you know, here's where I'm at. So as we're, you know, unpacking my, my story and all the rest of it, at one point in time, I remember she, she stopped writing and she looked at me and she's like, you've experienced a lot of trauma and you're mm-hmm. very high functioning. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And like, what's your point? I mean, I just, I had... Just, like that's not my point. So come back, hundred twenty five dollars, please. <laughs> right. But it was just it was just this weird moment where it was like it felt like a rubber ball that like just bounced off of me, and I'm just like, yeah. And like we all have trauma, you know. Everyone has something they've got to work through or overcome or what have you. Like that's the whole idea of finding ourselves in each other's story to be able to identify with each other and to mm. to connect. So I just I wasn't receiving what she had to say because I was so dismissive of Mm -hmm. the things that I've experienced. So I say that specifically to come back to this moment. There are years of my life, years, that I don't know exactly what I was thinking or feeling in that moment or, you know, just like there's, there's some wonky things in my memory. And I think a lot of it has to do with the traumas that I've experienced Sure. Some of it's self-protective because if I don't need to access that, then I just won't. Um, You know, is that necessarily the healthiest thing? I don't know. Um, But when you asked me earlier, like some of my earliest childhood memories, 
the only thing that I remember from my childhood are stories that are told to me tied from pictures. I don't mm -hmm. remember pretty much anything yeah. of my childhood if it didn't have a picture to go with it. Yeah. So same thing, you know, processing each one of these, the context of the, the relationships ending or, you know, what that meant and, and all those different things. There's only moments that I can, can hold on to and understand. Uh, yeah. The vast majority of it's a bit of a black hole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even those moments that you can recall, just like people who wrote the Bible, they're distorted because it's coming through, it's, it's coming through the filter of your own lens, right? The, your own filter. And, and so we, we all have to, to recognize that, that everyone's got those filters. It's not good or bad, you know? Um, I, oh my God, I haven't, where, look at these notes here. These things are <laughs> So these things are so screwed up. Um, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to freestyle for a second. Uh, I and I know, that you, I know that you brought it up. I know you brought it up for a second um, uh, earlier on. And uh, you, you started out by talking about moving 16 times. Right. Um, and then how, how even when you were in the same place, you had to move, you had to shake some shit, shit up. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then you even talked about it a little bit with, with uh, your relationships. Um, do you feel like the impact of or, or, or the yeah, that that constant moving, 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 changing, uh, moving here, moving there, like almost getting settled, then getting unsettled, getting settled, then getting unsettled. Do you think that is um, something that has has uh Mm, for lack of better term, uh, terms, affected the way that um, you've been able to show up or not show up in, in, in um, intimate relationships? I think on the positive aspect, it's, it's helped me respect time more in the sense mm. of recognizing that we're really not promised any time. And yeah. to be able to be in the moment, it, it has definitely helped me in that, in that context. I think on the negative side, um, when I was younger and, and less aware, absolutely, I'm sure that it influenced me over the past you know, decade or so worth of, of all this internal work. I, I don't think that it has as much of an impact now um, and even just within the, the past yeah. few recent years. I think yeah. if anything, there's still this sense of a carryover from one of the the influences of the evangelical theology that's this idea of redeem the time for the day is evil you know like mm. this the, the things that stick in my head after all these years um but just this idea <laughs> of like you know we have to constantly be busy we have to you know it fits that entrepreneurial mold like crazy this hustle constantly there's a reason why i'm so wary of that kind of energy is because I've lived it for so long and yeah. had to collapse in order to realize, oh, by the way, that's not actually serving me. <laughs> that's that's yeah. not helpful. Uh, yeah. But then to be able to choose differently. So yeah. I, I don't know that it's has a negative aspect now, thankfully. Um, but are there relationships that I burned as a result over the years? Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. Sure. Everybody does it, right? Right. Everybody does it. Um, I absolutely love this. We are going into the game show part. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> Oh, this boy. is honoring this is honoring the uh the uh court jester mark that always uh does the uh the the golden mic lives and dances around. By the way, do, are you liking the new format of the show? I I don't know how you're going to get anybody to listen to this long of me rambling. <laughs> oh my god. Be quiet. See, I was going to say be quiet, but that might trigger some things up about Oh no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Well, it's funny because right before we started recording, I mean, you and I were just chatting because that's what we do and, and just kind of catching up with each other. And you said something yeah. about the Tanya that people don't get to see. And yeah. I I had this moment. I didn't mention it to you in, in that moment. Um, yeah. But I was like, I'm like, ah, you know, it's no big deal. Like, I'm pretty transparent. I'm pretty vulnerable. I'm an open book. Yeah, whatever. And I was like, oh, shit. He delivered <laughs> on that. So, yeah. <laughs> thanks ma um, and thanks for showing up so so 
obviously you know that uh, you are a master plugger in these in these things. But I, I'm just gonna I I I am a um, I'm a luddite when it comes to plugging. So that's why I have this game. It's uh, it's about joy. It's about joy, and through through all of those ups and those downs and and, and everything that you've gone through, um, there, there's still ways that we've we've um, here and now um, can experience and embody joy, right? And in many ways, uh, even if you were to look at the the original scriptures, the, the uh, or the scriptures that were edited, you know, um, <laughs> you, the, the, you could go and say that there's an element of uh, promissory joy. Uh, my take mm. on it is that joy can be experienced now if you look for the op- opportunity to do it, you know, and then sometimes not because you're going through trauma, you know. Um, so I-, I want you to complete the sentence, Tanya, and let's see what we come up with. You can make uh, these answers very short or you can make them long, prose like, you can sing them, do whatever you like. <laughs> you don't right? want me to sing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make sure the next time we see each other, we're going to do karaoke. Then. Oh, dear. Um, should not, things you should not say out loud to Mark. Things you should not say. So I, I wanted to start off with this. Joy smells like. Hmm. Joy smells like dark chocolate Giardelli brownies right before they come out of the oven. Oh. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Joy looks like. I'm going to go with the first answer is the right answer. My kid smiles. Mm-hmm. You're two for two. You haven't missed <laughs> one yet. Joy feels like. feels like warmth. It feels like the effect of sun on you where you have yeah. both the light and the warmth. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, joy sounds like. Laughter. Joy tastes like. Ooh, those dark chocolate Giardelli brownies with a glass of Malbec. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. I can't with you. You, I can't with you. I, you're the easiest person to shop for now. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, now, now you obviously know that uh, um, I have a program called uh, the Joy Revolution. This is where um, we. Um, we have these uh, internal upheavals, like the upheaval you were talking about with um, what, what was going on with your own values, your identity with the church, right? And that's a revolution in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the revolution where you are leading an upheaval in, um, you know, whether it be through your, uh, your podcast, you're leading upheavals, whether it be through the events that you're putting on, Um and it's led in joy. So when I ask you uh, to complete the sentence, my revolu- my joy revolution is, again, long or short, what is your joy revolution? My joy revolution is being a catalyst for people to reconnect first with themselves and then with each other. Mm, amazing. Amazing. Um Tanya, we're about to wrap it up. But before we do, what are you you being called to say right now? I'm just filled with gratitude for what you are creating, not only with the joy revolution and with conversations like these, but for me personally, like set all of that aside for just a second Mm -hmm. to be seen and to be heard and accepted and loved. You give such a gift to each person that you get to engage with. And I'm just filled with gratitude for that for you in this moment. And if there is a way that our conversation can help someone else to be able to connect with themselves, to connect with you, to connect with me, to to hear anything in this that sounds like them, that really, it's, it's an incre- incredibly humbling and uh, just a, a beautiful gift to be given in this moment. Mm, amazing. Amazing. Um, Tanya, Adelaida, you've said it all. Um, I, I'm going to have you back on this show. Uh, I, I have no idea. Next time, it's probably going to be the Thanksgiving marathon special. <laughs> um, my goodness. Um, uh, uh, and uh Sorry, I, I just lost my my. It's okay. Edit that out, Joe Fern. Thanks. Um, 
So uh, essentially, I, I wanted to thank you for coming on all of all of her contacts her social media. It's all in the show notes. So there's no reason not to get in touch with Tanya if you haven't seen her in you uh, or you in her. I don't know. I don't know how, how that goes. Um, <laughs> one in the same. I, I, do, I do have one final question uh, before I close the show. Um, and it's this. You started out. Um, you started out in a particular church, right? Um, I think you said Pentecostal, like kind of, right? Yeah, I was gonna say non-denominational somewhere non-denominational. over there. Yeah, it's non-denominational. Um, and then somewhere in the middle of the uh, of the piece, you went and uh, dropped the woo flag in, in there. <laughs> when did this switch over? Oh, I think it's been an unveiling. Um, mm-hmm. Probably. I love how you say this is the last question. I'm like, really? Because this could be a whole nother half an hour right here. I know. <laughs> That's your intention, isn't it? Maybe. Um, I would say it's been a, a slow unveiling. Um, much like the dissonance early on, there's always been something that has kind of pulled to me from that. Uh, when I was a kid, even, I remember that. Um, but it's been now recently within the past probably five or six years uh, that the running joke right now is that I'm like a woo and a half. I'm not complete woo-woo, um, but boy, am I getting awfully close. And I'm I'm really enjoying the process. Amazing. Okay. Now you've said enough. Tanya, all your stuff is in the show notes. Uh, I, I urge everyone to get in touch with her. This has been another episode of The Joy Revolution. Um, for your sake... For my sake, for fuck's sake, start your revolution in light, in love, in shadows, in joy. We're out. See you next time. Thanks for listening in, guys. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed the Golden Mike podcast. There's more good stuff coming your way. But until the next episode, let's stay in touch, yes? Find us on Instagram as The Joy Rev, The Joy Rev, or communicate with like-minded revolutionaries in our Facebook group. Search The Joy Revolution Underground. And of course, don't forget to check out the classes, articles, blogs, and some serious fun at joyrevolution.com. That's joyrevolution.com. Now, until then, what will you do to change history for the better? Let's go out and play, shall we? Press start to begin.